welcome to another episode of Ecoville, your weekly podcast that promotes environmental conservation. I'm your host, Nosigelelo Kwaka. The rainy season is upon us in Zimbabwe and the farming season has truly begun. It's important to note that studies say the agricultural sector is contributing 24% to greenhouse gas emissions through agricultural activities. The Smallholder Irrigation Revitalization Program is a program funded by the International Fund for Agricultural Development OPEC Fund for International Development and the Government of Zimbabwe, which contributes to the resilience of smallholder farming communities. Its goal is to reduce vulnerability of smallholder farmers to food and nutrition insecurity, climate change effects, and economic shocks. Today on the program, we are joined by the organization's monitoring and evaluation specialist, Nolin Berejena, to discuss resilience building. Welcome to the program, Nolin. Thank you very much, Nonsikelelo. Thank you. Okay. Our first question is, uh, please tell us about your organization and uh, the agricultural work you are focused on. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Nonsikelelo. Um, the Smallholder Irrigation Revitalization Program is a 51 million dollar program, as you highlighted, and it's funded by IFAD. We got a grant from IFAD and the OPEC Fund for International uh, Development, the Government of Zimbabwe, and also uh, beneficiaries. Uh, the program in general seeks to reduce vulnerability of smallholder farmers to food and nutrition insecurity, climate change effects and economic shocks. So uh, the main components of the program are two sub-components which are mutually reinforcing. We've got the first component which looks at sustainable smallholder irrigation development. And this component really focuses mainly on the rehabilitation and expansion of irrigation infrastructure and also promoting uh, improved smallholder irrigation management. Then we have our second uh, component, which is called the Climate Smart Agriculture and Market Access. And why we have this one, we, we are saying that once we have rehabilitated our schemes, we need to increase farm competitiveness and profitability. And we do this by promoting good agricultural practices Climate smart agriculture, agriculture practices, um, promoting value addition, improved natural re resource management. And also under this component, that's when we also look at improving access to markets and raw financial services and also enhance capacity of, uh, uh, of the farmers uh, through different trainings. Why we have these two components, over the past years, you find out rehabilitation has just focused on just fixing canals and there has been a missing gap or a missing link. So in this case, we believe that we are, prov we are providing a complete package that will transform the whole irrigation uh, system. Thank you. Thank you so much for that breakdown because it gives us an understanding of the work that you're doing. Uh, as I said in the introduction today, we're, we're focusing on resilience building in agriculture. Can you please uh, give us a breakdown and an explanation of what resilience building in agriculture actually means or what it entails? 
Okay. Um, when we talk about resilience uh, building, we're really looking at the, at the ability of a system or a community or a society when it has been exposed to hazards or shocks, its ability to resist, absorb, accommodate, adapt, transform, and recover from the effects of the hazard. And it's very important for a system to be um, resilient. It must be in a timely and efficient manner. So we are really looking at improving the absorptive capacity uh, of households and also its adaptive capacity and the transformative capacity of uh, the rural households. Thank you. Okay, so um, from what you said and my own understanding is um, right now we can say one of the biggest shocks uh, or one of the biggest hurdles that farmers are facing is uh, change of, of weather patterns through climate change, right? So what, yes. you, what you want to assist farmers with is the ability to adapt to such changes. Is that what resilience building is about? Yes. So we want them, the first thing when you have a shock, they have to be able to absorb it, mm -hmm. to cope with it. And then after that, they can also actually adapt and they can actually transform. So, for example, when you talk about transformative capacity, it's a situation where we improve issues that relate to governance, access to infrastructure, maybe natural resource and issues that relate to policy. So you're actually almost transforming the whole system such that even when the shock comes, we are ready for it. You can actually re in, uh, resist it or, and, and absorb it. Okay. So how does resilient uh, building contribute to increased food and nutrition security? Uh, thank you very much. So you find out uh, with um, increase, uh, resilience uh, building, we in this, in this case, we look at uh, different areas. For example, within our program, we look at climate smart agriculture, where we are promoting a increased productivity. And in so doing, the households can actually, they, they can produce more from a small piece of land, for example, the current Fumvudza, uh, which has been promoted. And also, you, we also promote crop diversification and also adoption of new technologies, practices, and uh, land under improved management. So with all these, the production and productivity of households is improved and in so doing you find out who all the households will be able to adapt or even absorb any shocks that they experience along the way even when the climate when we have droughts they are able to adopt uh, to adapt quickly thank you okay so what's the environmental benefit of resilient building um you find out uh with uh with a, a resilient community, it actually improves natural resource man management because you are looking at all the social capitals of a household. So when they are able to um, absorb shocks, it means they don't uh, carry out adverse um, um, uh, behaviors so that they deal with uh, any uh, with uh, so that they deal with the shots. I want to take an example of let's say 
um, farmers are depending mainly on cropping, on, on agriculture production only. So if we have a, a shock in the system, they can actually go into adverse uh, um, activities such as uh, uh, cutting down of firewood so that they get income. But when the system is actually well adapted, no matter if the shock comes, they have got other income generating activities that will assist them to deal with the 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 the, the crop with the, with the sudden shock and also you find out it actually assists farmers to preserve um the 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 the, the environment for the future generations farmers will not be just looking uh, at the current situation but when the system is resilient they've actually considered the future generations Okay. So it's it's good to know that uh, you also get like environmental uh, benefits from from everything from resilience building, eh? Yes, okay. it's very true. All right. So your program is in its fifth year. Do you think you have been able to contribute to resilience building in Zimbabwe's agricultural sector? If yes, where have you been able to successfully implement these programs? Okay, thank you very much for that one. Um, I'd like to say that um, the greatest challenge that we had as a program was that we had a slow start. And also our program really focuses on infrastructure development and infrastructure development, particularly the irrigation schemes takes a bit of time. It's not like um, a one day thing. But however, I'd like to say now that we have started rehabilitation, we now have got 986 hectares um, of land that is under irrigation in Matebeleland South, Midlands, Manikeland, and Mashingo. And you find out now these households are able to irrigate, even if there is a drought, it means they are able to despite the changes in the in, in the weather patterns they're able to irrigate and also we have also increased improved the trans transformative capacity of the households by uh, providing them with training to date we have managed to train close to 9000 farmers in different aspects of crop production natural resource management farming as a business um Gender, mains, gender mainstreaming and in so doing, you find out that it has started to show impact on households. If you take, for example, we actually did a survey on just to see uh, what has been the impact on the yield levels. And we've actually seen about 45% of the households in some cases actually within a year uh, saying that their yields have actually increased and in some cases the yields levels have actually doubled or if not trebled so you find out we have started seeing the impact of these changes thank you okay so if if i'm understanding it um resilience is about uh building a self-sustaining system from the beginning which is uh the farming the planting up to the end, which is uh, the market for uh, the crops. So uh, how are you assisting f farmers with getting a market for their crops? Because if they have an income, uh, I think it, it, it strengthens the resilience program. 
Okay, so you find out our program really is more of a market-oriented production system. So when we say market-oriented, we're saying before they actually start producing, they have to do almost like a value chain analysis to understand which crop should we grow, which is the most profitable crop, and which one is almost like a demand-driven production system. And because we are trying to move away from the from uh, from subsistence far farming, and we are going towards a commercialization drive, so you find out with this we are actually promoting commercialization of agriculture. Look at profitable value chains. Move away from um, a, a law uh, of move away from crops with low profits, and then in so doing, we also. Uh, encourage smart partnerships, for example, partnering with other service providers who are actually into the production of uh, those crops. And also we promote value addition, just not to look at, uh, at um, the raw crop on its own, but we are actually promoting the farmers, encouraging the farmers to put value to their to value add their crop and also we also do capacity development in this case we do trainings like farming as a business um exchange visits where the actual farmers go to centers of excellence and they get to learn get to see other best practices we encourage farmers to do market research our approach really we are saying we want to leave a farmer that is able to do something when the program uh, uh, leaves. So we play more of a facilitation role. Thank okay. you. All right. So in, in sticking with that, uh, how you're assisting farmers from the beginning to the end, I just wanted you to give us like a solid example of, okay, this is a project. This is the plants that we we have encouraged them as we've seen that we've done our research on the whole value and this is what they've managed to do from the beginning to the end this is uh, our project x and this is what we've managed to do with project x with uh, y plant okay thank you very much um i'll take you i'll take an example of uh, rupangwana irrigation scheme Initially, when we, we, we joined uh, the program, when the program started, they were only irrigating about two hectares of land. So we did a value chain analysis and also we did what we call a feasibility study. And we've managed to rehabilitate uh, the, the first phase which of uh, Rupangwana, which was about 12 hectares. And the farmers were able to put um, approximately eight hectares under bean production. And they, they entered into a partnership with uh, an organization called uh, PHI. And you find out the farmers, in this case, they, um, they, they, they managed to harvest about 1.48 tons per farmer. And uh, from that, they were able to sell approximately eight tons of beans, and uh, they made a revenue of close to uh, 12,000 US dollars mm -hmm. from, that, from that intervention that they did. Mm -hmm. So clearly, we can see successes if you actually uh, start from the beginning with the farmer assisting them up until the end. 
yes their products okay so how are you measuring resilience in your programs okay thank you very much um in terms of measuring resilience we use the what we call the multi uh, poverty assessment uh, tool um the multi uh, poverty assessment tool looks at uh about 11 indicators which measure issues that relate to rural assets, exposure, equity, and, and also the fundamental needs. So it starts by looking at the fundamental um, needs of a household in terms of food and nutrition, security, domestic water supply, health care, sanitation, housing, education, farm assets, non-farm assets, exposure to and resilience to shock and um, gender and social equity issues. So when you start when we start our project, we first look at where are we in terms of all these dimensions. Then at midterm, again we start to measure, because we, there is from this multi poverty assessment tool, we have for each indicator, we have a scale of between one to 10. So the aim of the project in general is to move above a save, above the a seven. Once we are above seven, then we know that we are actually moving towards uh, resilience. So we, that is the main tool that we use. Okay. So, so what challenges are you facing in attaining, attaining your resilience goal? I think uh, the main, uh, the, the ever-changing macro env environment as we're starting our project, you find out such as inflation, multi-currency, uh, you find out all this have resulted in like uh, um, price disparities as we implement our projects. And also in the in the beginning, I would like to give, for example, when we started, it was one is to one. And we always encourage farmer contribution because we believe that for a program to be sustainable, farmers have to contribute. They have to own the program. Uh, however, um, for example, if they saved in 2016 uh, $10,000 now, when the after the multi currency was introduced, that um, money was actually eroded by inflation. So you find out it sort of dampens the spirit of this household that you are trying to build resilience for them to start understanding the importance of farmer contributions, the importance of uh, of savings and stuff like that. However, to mitigate this, now we have now said that farmers have to contribute or have to save in US dollar, a currency that is much more uh, stable. Mm -hmm. That way they are not affected. And also you find out we've been um, highly affected by the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. It has not spared us. Um, in terms, you find out our program really focuses on capacity building of the farmers. And because uh, of COVID-19 regulations, we are unable to... To, to meet as a tea with the farmers and stuff like that. However, to mitigate this again, we have decided to go online, do radio programs, and also to do a lot of um, 
social media and stuff like that to mitigate the effects of uh, COVID and also SMS blast so that at least we can reach out to our different uh, farmers. And also we find that COVID-19 has also affected um, access to, uh, uh, farmers' access to markets and affected even the companies that are supposed to be buying uh, the, the, the products from our farmers. So we are actually in the process of encouraging alternative uh, marketing uh, strategies. Okay, uh, one thing that really stood out for me was with every challenge you brought a solution, which is what I think every program should be focused on. It wasn't just challenges. If it's a challenge, then you presented a solution, uh, which I believe uh, your organization is actually doing good in mitigating all these problems. Thank you very much. We are trying. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, when confronted with changing weather patterns or an extreme weather event, a resilient farm has more capacity to avoid or reduce physical and financial damage than farms using conventional management practices. How true is that statement? This is a very true statement. Um, as I said earlier on, um, you want to build a household that is able to resist and absorb all these uh, changes. So once the household is has ha, is resilient, it means that when a, a shock comes, it's able to absorb. Let me give you an example. For, for example, mm -hmm. uh, this is farmer X because his capacity, absorptive capacity has been improved. Maybe he's part of an ISAL group or has got climate smart agriculture. When a drought comes, they won't uh, engage into negative copy uh, strategies like selling the cows, taking children out of uh, school and stuff like that. What they will do now with the money from internal savings, they are able to absorb that cost and they can buy food from elsewhere. Whereas a household that maybe was, was not, did not have any savings in place, it means when the shock comes, what do they do? One, they will decide to either sell the cow because they did not have any savings. They will decide to sell maybe their assets because they, they were not ready for it. So you find out and they are not able to, to absorb those shocks. And also in the process of adapting, you find out as they, as they know, you know, with more information as we're training the farmers about issues of these changes that are happening, or climate change and stuff like that, they start to adapt. You know, for example, they can diversify their livelihoods. You know that this year crop production won't work well for me. Let me focus on my livestock, livestock production. Okay, that's not working. Let me also focus on maybe, for example, we do training on PPE making. We've got pro poultry projects, uh, beekeeping. So they will say, okay, fine. This year the crops have failed me, but I can actually do beekeeping has not been affected that much. So you find out that household is much, it can actually... Uh, adapt easily all right so, so do you think your organization has been able to convince zimbabwean farmers to adopt climate smart agricultural methods 
Um, I think we are starting to see that change within the different communities where we are working. I'd like to say adoption is a process. So it's not an overnight event. So with the continued um, promotion of climate smart agriculture, and also when they start to see the impacts and the effects of um, climate smart agriculture, farmers will start to adopt. I would like to take, for example, we are promoting what we call commercial demos. And this way we are saying, let a, let a farmer see how profitable it is to engage in a particular intervention. And that way, for example, we've got two wheelers, we've got um, we do it more of a commercial demo so that the farmer can actually see the profitability. And once you see, they see the profitability, they start to adapt. And also we believe in tailor-making innovations to the environment, to, to that particular community that you are working with, rather than uh, just importing a technology and, um, and imposing it. I'll take, for example, we were at Mayoka irrigation, um, irrigation scheme where they are using the spring, uh, sprinkler system. And we, we got all the farmers together and we actually, the women too, and we start, we asked them which is the best facility that they preferred for, for sprinkling, uh, for, for their irrigation system. And actually they were able to select what fits them best. And also, we also believe in incorporating a gender lens in whatever intervention that we are promoting. For example, now we have been installing um, solar-powered um, uh, gardens where we are moving away from the bush pump, which was heavier. So now the farmers are so happy with the solar-powered uh, irrigation, uh, um, irrigation system because it, it has made the workload easier. And also the other issues promoting low-cost uh, technologies. Okay. Thank you. You've brought in a very interesting aspect, which is that of gender. Because in a, in a non-resilient system, I think especially in the Zimbabwean setting, I'll speak about that, uh, women are most affected. So how is your your program um, assisting so that uh, women are not uh, affected by maybe climate change or these economic shocks? Okay, so for us, we always say um, our policy is leaving no one behind. So meaning that we, we every inclusive development. So to ensure that we are using a methodology called the gender action learning system approach. So with this uh, gender action learning system approach, it tries to, uh, to address the underlying causes of uh, inequality within the household. Mm -hmm. And so you find out with these methodologies, you bring couples together, and when you bring these couples together, you train them or you, you, they, you teach them how to set their visions. You teach them how to identify the constraints. You actually, the, the whole thing about this uh, approach is that uh, 
everyone is important in the household. Mm -hmm. The men are equally important. The women are equally important. So they address their problems as a family, as uh, not as individuals. So that's the approach that we are using as a program. Okay. And also to make um, to address some of the issues that uh, that pertain to to gender, we we did like almost a baseline study, and uh, what we called also the gateway study, where we are looking at the different uh, gender dyma- dynamics in the household, the major gender constraints that that are within the household, and based on those results we start to develop uh, programming uh, programs or interventions that address them for example in terms of women what we noted was the workload was there was uh, the workload on women was heavy so now is a program where we're identifying labor saving technologies we also realized that group participation was low. So we are now introducing groups like women PPE groups so that women can actually participate. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I have one last question for you. I believe this is a seven-year program, right? Yes. And currently it's in its fifth year. Yes, we are in our fifth year. So I want to ask, by the seventh year, do you think, what do you think you would have contributed to uh, resilience in, in farming? Okay, thank you very much on that one. Um, as our target is to have about close to 6,100 hectares of land under rehabilitation. And that means that um, we'll be able to reach close to about 10,000 uh, farmers who are irrigating and about 17,500 farmers. Our program does not look at irrigators on their own, but it also looks at the rain-fed farmers who are surrounding them. So we target both farmers. So we are hoping by the end of the program we would have reached 27,500 households and these households will be able to produce uh, for themselves. There will be food, these will be food secure households. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Nolin, for coming to the program. Thank you very much for inviting me. I hope I was able to contribute positively. You absolutely were, and you were able to give us such an insight into resilience building in the agricultural sector. No, thank you very much. Okay, uh, thank you again to all our listeners. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow us on our social media pages. Our handle is EcovilleZW on all platforms. Join us next week for another episode. I'm your host, Nosigelelo Kwaka.